0: Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Mike Stafford, the portable pastor, bringing you another teaching from God's word. Let me just start by saying Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I have loved Christmas for as long as I can remember. I love this season. I love it all. I love the parties. I love the food. I love the traditions. I love the gifts. I love the imagination. I love the fun. I love the food. <laughs> Did I already say My wife makes these cookies. There's, I think they're called seven-layer cookies, and they have coconut and pecans and caramel and chocolate chips, all kind of stuff in it, and they are awesome, but you have to eat them with a napkin because if you leave one crumb. One crumb on your face. Your tongue will slap your face off to get to more. I'm telling you, they are that good. And I love Christmas because it's the only time of the year I get that. I love all things about Christmas. But as a maturing Christian, I have increasingly grown to love the spiritual nature of Christmas. I've learned to to revere that plan, that play that opened up at, at Christmas The older I get and the more I know about this world, the more in awe I am of the willingness of Jesus to be born here. He knew what the world was going to be like. He knew the chaos. He he knew the evil that reigns here, and yet he chose to be born here. I've learned to revel in the glory of the Christ child. I've grown very appreciative of the special Christmas worship opportunities. I love the candlelight and communion service that our church offers on Christmas Eve. I love worshiping when Christmas is on Christmas Day. I love those those moments. But I've also increasingly learned that the world will go to great lengths to steal the glory of Christmas that's that's due Jesus. This world if it had his way, it would have me live in darkness without the truth and without of what happened that, that first Christmas. You see, the, the world very much loves the status quo. People prefer to live in darkness with no sight of God. They prefer that rather than than change and submitting to God. Even though it causes them to be devoid of purpose or or to be devoid of any meaning without him, they, they choose other gods that aren't so demanding. People are looking for salvation for their shortcomings. They are. They're begging all sorts of things today for forgiveness. but They're never going to find it in those statues. They're never going to find it in those trinkets. And the world wants us to remain in this darkness. Ask yourself why. Well, the point is, the truth is, is that the world can't tolerate the real message of Christmas. Because let's face it, spiritual light is, is offensive. It's offensive. Spiritual knowledge can be offensive. So, culture distracts itself with all kinds of man made light. We know this. The brighter the house, the brighter the yard, the less noticeable the darkness is that's in the lives of the people that live there. You know, those folks choose to celebrate the season without Christ. But we Christians, we know the truth about Christmas. Let's remind each other of this truth today. Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter one and during these next three sessions that i'm going to have with you we're going to look in depth at this passage today we're going to look at the purpose for christ next week we'll look at 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 a couple of other things we're going to look at the peace of christ i'll i'll teach that on on christmas eve at our church and then on christmas day the presence of christ and i I hope that you can tune in and, and, and glean from every one of those but today let's be reminded this season, about the purpose of Christ. I want you to see that first, this child was more than just a baby. More than just a baby. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made everyone likes to think of the christ child in that stable you know in the manger wrapped in the swaddling clothes that to be you know this baby with pink cheeks and 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 soft cooing and you know we see the angels singing and the livestock all staring inwardly at he's in the center of of the stable my nephew says that baby jesus is the most powerful display of all of all of jesus's life all that power wrapped up in a tiny little body and so we think of jesus in baby form in innocence in cooing we think of him cuddling with his mother and most things are true but that baby was so much more what did john say about him he wrote he wrote jesus is the word that word that we have today, the word word, <laughs> that's kind of weird, it, it was originally the Greek word logos. Logos is the expression of a thought. It is, it is the embodiment of a, of a conception of an idea. It's the full expression of an idea. So logos can be thought of as God's ultimate message to us, his full expression of a message that he wants to give to us. Well, what, what is that message? Well, the message is God wants to redeem mankind. When we understand that Jesus brought this message, then certain passages of scriptures begin to make perfect sense to us. Acts 1.1. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Yeah, They received the full plan, the full message of God's redemption. And when we read 1 Thessalonians 2.13, this is what it says. And we also thank God constantly for this, that you receive the word of God, the message of God, salvation of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in, in you believers. So Jesus was born to bring this message of redemption to man. Now, the Bible is also called the word of God. It's the message in written form. Hebrews 4.12 says this about the Word of God, the written message, for the Word of God is living and active. That means it's still being delivered. It's still capable of changing people. It's sharper It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. That means it divides our old nature from our new nature. and And it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's interesting that... Jesus connects himself to the scriptures. The word connect himself with the word. John 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. He connects himself to that. So both the Bible and Jesus brought the message from God to the world. So John makes, makes sure. Make sure to announce that Jesus was born to bring this message. Jesus is the Word. But John says something else. He says Jesus is God. We have mentioned this recently in our teachings. We've looked at this in the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. False prophets always try to diminish the divinity of Christ. If they can convince people that Jesus isn't divine, then they can argue that his message was from a mere man. And and no one can... Truly trust in any other man for redemption and be saved. That just doesn't happen. Only a creator can change his creation. Remember that? So John makes a point to write that Jesus is God. He wrote, the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus' divinity, its was kind of proven mathematically. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Jesus is the word. The word is God. So Jesus is God. That's just simple math but the doctrine of the trinity that's not so simple there's no way to adequately explain the the trinity that that god is one but somehow three as well you know father son and spirit each bearing the fullness of god now we try we make analogies and metaphors trying to explain this like like the pretzel you know the how the pretzel has three openings and yet it's one pretzel or the egg has the the egg white, the shell and the yolk is three parts in one however if you if you take away part of the pretzel or part of the egg, it's not a, a full pretzel, it's not a full egg anymore, but the Father is fully God, the spirit is fully God, and Jesus is fully God, but God is one. I told you it, it's hard it's hard to grasp there's no way we humans can do that, but the scripture is clear. It's clear on this and it's been clear from the beginning. That's why Jesus, I mean, Moses wrote the words of God in Genesis that says, let us make man in our own image, our own image. I know it's hard to fathom, but Jesus is God. John makes a point in saying this again in John 8, 58, Jesus said, you know, before Abraham was born, I am, I am was the name of God in the Old Testament. Everyone who heard him realized what he was doing. He says something again in John 10, 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Even Jesus said he was God. Now, like I said, we can't explain this or understand this, but it has to be true. It has to be true for the message of Christ to make sense. You see, Jesus came to give the message of salvation to mankind, Right? right? Remember, no one comes to the Father but through him. He is the message and he is the means. And the means by, watch, by which God intended to redeem mankind was to sacrifice Jesus, who was perfect. He was perfect, and God intended to sacrifice him for sins that were not his own. Only God is perfect. So if Jesus was not divine, if Jesus was just a man, that there would be no sufficient sacrifice for sin. He would have died for his own sins. And if he died for his own sins, how could he assume the punishment for ours? The truth is, Here's the truth. He has to be divine because he was able to die for our sins. That's what the Bible says. 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation or the appeasement to the Father. He is the propitiation for our sins. Only a perfect being could do that. Only God is perfect. So Jesus had to be God for salvation to occur. Jesus was more than just a child. He was and is and always will be God. And because Jesus is God, it makes perfect sense that John says that Jesus created everything. He created everything. What did he say? All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. By by the way, the the Holy Spirit was involved in in creation too. Genesis 1-2 tells us the earth was devoured. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The full Trinity, the full Trinity was involved in creation. God the Father spoke, God the Spirit hovered, and according to John, Jesus was definitely involved. Nothing was made that wasn't made by Him. Colossians 1.16 echoes this truth, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things or created through him and for him Jesus made everything this child wasn't an ordinary child this child this baby was actually creator god think of that for a moment this is amazing this is amazing to me that means that Jesus created the universe including mankind Jesus banished mankind from the garden and cursed mankind for sin And Jesus sent prophets to tell the Israelites, and eventually all of us, that he was going to fix this. Then he showed up and personally died for those sins. Did you catch that? Jesus made us, watched us turn from him, and died to turn us back. Wow. It's amazing to think that this child was both the creator and the savior of the world in a human form, in a form of a baby. But he was more than just a baby. He was the word, and he was God. Secondly, John says this child gives life and is light. What, follow along as I read verses 4 through 8. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcoming. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This This is beautiful poetic language. It's so rich in meaning. It says, Jesus gives life. In him was life, is what he says. If Jesus is the creator, then it makes sense that John says, in him was life. The Genesis account tells us how man came to life. In Genesis 2, 7, listen to this. Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living a living creature. Life came from Jesus, the creator, and entered into Adam, the first human. And every human since that time, what does Jeremiah 1, 5 say? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. David wrote in Psalm one thirty nine thirteen, for you formed me in my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Jesus is God and Jesus gives life. By the way, and I'm, I've got to go here today. This is why we have no other choice. Christians have no other choice but to believe that all abortion is sin. Yeah, I told you, we got to go here Look for a moment. Most Christians have no problem saying that abortion, that most abortion is sin. Those who struggle with believing that all abortion is sin would say, but what about the cases of rape and incest? Or what about when the mother's life is at risk? Well, what, what does the Bible say? Did, did the rapist or the incestuous man create that baby or did God? Can God bring good from the evil things of this world? Of course, he, he does that all the time. It is true. We live in a fallen world. Horrible things happen. Rape, incest, cancer, death. All of those things should not should never take place, but they do. And they do because of the fall. And God promises to be close to us even through those most horrible times. He'll help a mother recover from rape and incest. He will help her birth a created child. He will stand with her and suffer with her and cry with her. Through giving up that child if, if need be. He formed every child and he is faithful to every mother who trusts in him. God made that child, not the abuser. That was God's right to give that life. Ending a child's life is destroying God's right to give life. And one sin does not give the right to commit another. Rape does not give a victim the right to take a life. So, that may make some of you upset and mad, but either God forms a life or the rapist does. And I don't choose to give the rapist credit for nothing. I don't want to give him credit for nothing. By the way, what kind of sick and messed up society deems a drug too harsh to give to racist because it would unfairly end their sex drive, but we would approve it to give gender reassignment to, to toddlers? <laughs> what kind of sick, a messed up, sick, sinful one? That's what kind it is. We live in a sick culture. Well, back to abortion. What, what about the mother who's at risk? This this at-risk pregnancy affects less than 1% of all pregnancies. And of those, many of them become risky in their late term. When a C-section can take place and both created lives can be saved. Have you ever heard of the Dublin Declaration of Maternal Health? Probably not. The media did, did a good job hiding this one. In 2012, over a 1,000 OBGYNs and, and other maternal health care experts, they signed a statement. This is what it says. Uh, "And As experienced practitioners and researchers in obstetrics and gynecology, we affirm that direct abortion, the purposeful destruction of an unborn child, is not medically necessary to save the life of a woman. You see, we've come so far in our technology in our medical fields that that's no longer needed. Then on March 5th, in 2019, Life News printed this column, and it says medical leaders representing more than 30,000 doctors said intentionally killing a late-term unborn baby in an abortion is never necessary to save a life. Well, what about those extremely rare cases of a mother being at risk in early pregnancies? Well, we 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 Christians believe that Jesus has the authority to give life. Life is a miracle. And he's in the miracle business. Jesus himself was conceived at an, at, a, at an inopportune and dangerous time for Mary. That pregnancy was a burden to both Mary and Joseph. I mean, think about it. Dad was no doubt ridiculed. Mom was at risk, not by health issues, but by societal harm. They could have stoned her. So Jesus knows a little bit about the hardship and inconvenient timing of some pregnancies. Yet, he gives life in spite of those things. Sadly, in South Carolina, our conservatives seem only interested in conserving their political office. They need to be reminded of the truth of Christ. He gives life. It is Jesus who gives life. It's only Jesus who gives life. Now, we've got to move on. John also says that Jesus is light. Light. That baby is light. What does he say? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus Jesus is being connected in a big way to the the, the story in Genesis. John's really trying, trying to tie the incarnation account with the Genesis account of creation. You see, in Genesis, what was the first thing that Jesus spoke into being? What's the first thing that God spoke into being? Light. Listen to Genesis 1, 1 through 3. This is the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke light into being. That was the first thing He spoke into being. What would life be like if He never made light? It would be very different. All of creation would have, would have no sight, no real understanding of its surroundings. What John is communicating is that without the birth of Jesus, we would have never heard the truth about God offering salvation to mankind through his own son. Just as light pierced the empty darkness in the beginning, light pierced the darkness of people living in sin today. And the world can't get over this light It's never been able to diminish its glory Oh, the world's tried. I mean, darkness has put forth a great effort, but it's not succeeded. And it even tries today. The world seeks to stifle our memory of real Christmas events and wants to replace it with with magic and materialism. So we make our own lights. We create our own joy. We bless one another by ourselves and we receive the glory for, for gift giving, right? We can light up our own Christmas experience. However... The true light. The true light of Christ will never be dimmed. It, it will ultimately be undeniable. It's Jesus' is light, and every man will come face to face with that fact one day. So Jesus said in John 8, 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light at Christmas. Not a tree, not a star, not a string of incandescent bulbs. Jesus is the light. Neither a party nor a gift will tell you of the salvation of God. Jesus will. He is the light of this truth. Jesus gives life and he is light. Let me close with this. What was the purpose for Christ that first Christmas? Well, putting together what we just learned, here's the purpose for Christ. You got it? You want, are you listening? Jesus Christ came to bring the truth of salvation to a spiritually dark and dying world. That's the purpose of Christ, that first Christmas. Jesus came to bring the truth of salvation to a spiritually dark and dying world. This is why he was born. This is why we celebrate. We were once walking around in darkness of sin. We were devoid of the truth of what God was offering. We consistently made bad choices. We couldn't get away from them. We were separated from God because of those choices. But Jesus, Jesus, our Creator, Planned from the beginning to become flesh and reconnect us with God. And he grew up and he enlightened our minds to the truth of what only he could offer. Then he paid for sin on the cross to reunite us with himself once and for all. We Christians celebrate Christmas because Jesus came to open our minds to this truth. We Christians should decorate and celebrate this season with more gusto, with more clarity than anyone else at Christmas. We actually have a reason to decorate before October 31st. <laughs> we have a better message than Satan. You know what I mean? So that baby was so much more than just a baby. He was the embodiment of the perfect creator God who was bringing us the message that, that God wants to redeem us. And he, he put him in that manger. He, lie, he He laid him in that manger and he reaches for you. He reaches for me. Let me tell you, have have you realized the true meaning of Christmas now? Have you realized that it is so applicable to worship at Christmas than to celebrate? It's so much more important. Jesus, the creator, took on flesh and he came to earth to give us the message that he wants to reconnect with us. Will you reconnect with God? You can do so by believing that Jesus died for you. You can simply ask him to forgive your sins and save you for eternity. You can start a relationship with him, one with him being Lord, him being master. He makes the rules, you you obey, you follow him out of gratitude for saving you from a punishment for sin. If you'd like to start an online conversation about that, just email me at mike at fbcclover I love to introduce you to Christ and walk you through some things. But feel free to to email me and we'll start that conversation. Well, until the next teaching, have a great week. Remember, I'll come back with a, a teaching for Christmas Eve next week. Be sure you tune in and hear that. But instead, I mean, but but remember, remember, if you are walking with God, if you are walking with God, He is very much pro you. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com. Or email us at fbclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.